0: How about you start us this time? Oh, I don't know how to do that.
1: You good? You ready? You got notes? I'm I'm ready. Okay. Hey Sam. Hey Max. Please tell me you cut everything else out so you <laughs> no. I'm really afraid that you're gonna leave that all that nonsense in. You knuckle it. Okay. Uh, well I'm glad I walked all over that. Sam, what are we doing here? What is this? This is our one month our one month conversation we have. That's right. Um, also known as a
0: podcast
1: that we've been doing yes. for many years. How are you so
0: <laughs> bad at this?
1: I don't know. I've never had to do it. I've never had to be the the starter. I'm guy. always the it's always intro. the intro guy. Yeah, you always you always toss it up to me, which is nice. We um, never really like. It's not like, it's not like we like.
0: Yeah, we didn't we didn't sit down and decide that I was going to be the introducer one day. Like it just became that way, and and maybe You're the older brother. Maybe I'm under. Like, oh, well, it was it's a sign <laughs> of deference. It is. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: So why do I not believe that? <laughs> I think you're uh, a professional when it comes to this, and I always let you lead the the way. You spend a lot it's more true. time. I guess I had more um, podcasting kind of experience than you. That's true. Yeah, I haven't done any any other uh, podcast, but this one, and so I feel like I just had to. I kind of deferred to you on on how does one start a podcast. You know, it would be probably smart is just to come up with a like a, tr- a straight up standard way we start every episode because um, then we're just there and we're in it. Cause I think that's what good podcasts do. But,
0: yeah, that, I mean that's what we do as well. But the the standard thing is just me bullshitting for a couple of seconds and then okay. we're in it.
1: That's true. And
0: well, then we have our awesome it. little uh, little stinger of the phone
1: and the moo. Yeah, I wonder. You know, if we do you should we ever update that or do you think that's that's it forever? Probably. I remember, that it, it forever, took me
0: right? a surprisingly long time to make that.
1: <laughs> Yeah, if someone comes up with anything else, feel free to send it in. But we're not yeah. gonna personally take the time. Probably, we can, probably not. We can barely make the time to sit down and talk to each other. Oh, that's um, true.
0: It is middle of the afternoon of a weekday right now. Your lunch break, I'm presuming.
1: I just finished yeah. eating lunch. Yep, yeah, we're we're just two busy business folks. You know? Busy, busy bees. And that's basically the premise of this podcast. <laughs> that's right. Fields of work. <laughs> two boys about doing talking about two, work. Two boys doing business
0: that's right um, two business boys max <laughs> what are you reading right now we're checking in checking I round checking we do to get checked in i uh i well we've talked about this before
1: are you a multiple books at once kind of guy i'm like uh two to three books at the same time kind of guy yeah i never used to be that mainly because i didn't do audiobooks and i usually just had like my one book that i was i was doing uh-huh. uh at a time and that changed this year mainly because i'm i'm deep in the audiobook game for farming which i should have probably done a long time ago but um, I used to be just podcast time, and I still do a lot of that. But I discovered uh, audiobooks help pass menial tasks uh, really, really nicely. But so now I'm I'm more than one book at a time person, and then I, I have some book club things I'm doing now as well with people. So there's a lot of books going on. Um, my current audiobook is Nick Offerman's newest book. Uh, I think it's called "Where the Deer and the Antelope Play." um i'm not sure what the actual premise of the whole book is i just really it's read by him obviously um so mm-hmm. that's enjoyable and it's uh pastoral observations of one ignorant american who loves to walk outside <laughs> and that's that's it's, it's enjoyable so far it's uh he's talking mostly about his time in glacier national park with jeff tweedy and george saunders the author um jeff tweedy then, the music guy yeah from wilco that's their, yeah. their trio that uh, that went to Glacier National Park together. I guess they're all like they like best of pals, um, which is kind of fun to imagine. And then uh, my my reading book is a book called In the Distance by Hernan Diaz. I think. Um, this was how much time do you spend in bookstores, Sam? Do you go to bookstores Almost very zero. often. Almost None, zero. Huh? I spend a lot of my time um in various bookstores and book related things because of Kira's bookstore, and we both just love books in general. Um, and I don't normally, bookstores overwhelm me. I don't know. Do they overwhelm you? No, nah, I, I, I like them. I like wandering I around I finding I love, cool stuff. I, I love them, but I think I'm always just like the, the thought of picking one or two books to leave there with is a daunting thing. Um, and the way we fix that in our household is to just go more, um, <laughs> then we could pick out more books if you make them individual trips. But last time I was there, normally I have a mission. I'm following my Goodreads. I'm looking for something that I know is out or an author that I like, um, and we did some some birthday celebrations for me, different things last month. And one of them was to go to some independent bookstores in Nashville. And, uh, we, while we were in one of them, I was just trying to challenge myself to grab something, you know, read the back of it, find something that was not already on my radar, and and walk away with it. Um, and I did that, and that's the book I'm reading right now. That in the distance, um, which it was a, a Pulitzer Prize finalist, so it's like you know, obviously a well-renowned book. Um, it's given off big, Did you read the alchemist, by like yeah. Paulo Coelho, yeah, alchemist vibes and maybe a little, a little bit Steinbeck East of Eden or grapes of wrath style. Um, it's kind of like an Epic journey of one guy, um, during the, the gold rush essentially in the United States. It's a little depressing, a little sad. Um, it kind of, it has that feel like it's like here, it has that feeling of a book that seems like there's definitely some allegory and metaphor that I'm not picking up on. Um, uh, <laughs> Like, I feel vague, like I'm reading like feelings, this.
0: Uh, vague feelings of like I'm not quite smart enough for
1: this. Yes, and that has been happening a little bit. though. partly part of that is becoming because it was a, a Pulitzer Prize finalist. I'm thinking like, you know, this is a heavy hit, and something about this book really caught, um, you know, stuck stuck out to people. And I'm not currently you know so into it that I would nominate it for the Pulitzer Prize <laughs> in literature. But you know what? That's but uh, they don't give it to me to give out. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> i can't drop maybe it's not called it's not called the max prize yeah so uh, i'm enjoying it but uh it was definitely like a different pick for me and then i'm also reading the hobbit currently with a group of people in a little book club and i've read it before but reading again uh, very slowly and then i'm reading crime and punishment uh in a book club that i do with my friend miles um we're nearing the end of that um and i've actually been enjoying that book quite a bit um i'm a I've been wanting to dabble in Russian literature for a while, and uh, this was a good one to book club it, I think, with. Congratulations
0: um, on the most pretentious sentence you've ever said.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> I Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Um, there might be worse ones out there that I could have said, but I think Crime and <laughs> Punishment" yeah. is probably towards the top. I've been um, wanting yeah,
0: to dabble in lit, Russian yeah. literature. Mm, okay. yes. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm not one okay. to talk. I also, uh, I read I read some Russian literature last year, so
1: yeah i feel like you i think you may even egg me on a little bit to at least i mean it wasn't crime and punishment
0: what did i read again read war and peace war and peace oh yeah and i read that entirely on my phone
1: is that weird that's that sounds brutal that's just how the best part is i think that's how tolstoy wanted you to read it yeah <laughs> it's exactly. original you know there's certain directors that want you to see the movie in the theaters but tolstoy uh-huh. he really wants you to read it on your phone yeah. um but i think that's all of the ones that are currently bouncing around i mean I, i'm i'm on a pretty good read pace this year um but maybe at the end of the year we can recap i think it's always fun to you read quite a bit um maybe we can maybe that's what we can do at some point have a guest on and talk about books because our family okay. are big are big readers as well but true. i kind of enjoy i enjoy hearing what other people are, are reading these days what about you cool you usually read some, right. some work stuff
0: i'm actually reading very little work stuff right now i've been making a concerted effort for the better part of the year to read more fiction uh, right. so I read Girl at the Dragon tattoo recently devoured that it was a very fast read, very compelling, a lot of fun I mean fun is the wrong word because some terrible things happened in that book but yeah. it was fun to read i guess um, are you are you gonna mm-hmm. do the other anything else in that series or no yeah i'm gonna read I'll, I'll I'll read the other ones. I think I got yeah. them all from Kira actually uh, yeah I can't remember what other ones you picked
1: up I think there were the, there's three I think right yeah there's three i just found out that that author is dead i kind of thought yeah. that that person i thought that author was writing somewhat recently still but he passed away not that you know, a little while ago yeah definitely thought uh, they're more contemporary
0: other than that my uh version of crime and punishment is that i'm reading the iliad uh, yeah that's pretty pretentious yeah a little bit uh, I've, I've decided that i wanted. to try to read more of kind of the the great books, especially the one, some of the ones maybe that we read parts of in high school because I was an idiot in high school and I didn't know what I was reading. So reading the Iliad right now, only like a third of the way through it. It's very long. You might even call it an epic poem. Mm. Um, you should, yeah, you should you should patent that. A good,
1: that's a good term for it. Yeah.
0: I'm reading the Alexander Pope translation, which is remarkably good because – I don't like I don't understand how you translate something out of ancient Greek, but retain the rhyming scheme. Uh, It's I don't know. It blows my mind every time I uh, sit down and and read it. And then I've been working my way through the Remembrance of Earth's Past trilogy, which the first book of that is the three body problem, uh, Mm -hmm. which is like hard sci-fi and it is so good i just read the dark forest which is the second book in that series and usually when i'm reading a trilogy or a series like that i don't go immediately from book to book i usually intersperse with some other book that i'm reading but i found the dark forest so compelling that i immediately started death's end End, which is the third book uh, in that
1: series i've heard that one recommended quite a bit for if you're looking for other sci-fi i think that's the one that always comes up uh, when you, someone finishes like an Andy Weir book or something, you know, from Project Hail Mary or yeah. The Martian, its, you, real, that, that comes it's up. real
0: good. It's real unique and hard to even talk about,
1: but it's yeah, it's really good. Cool. I'll add it to my list. I need right. some. I need some. I think after a thing like Crime and Punishment, I need some some sci-fi in my life.
0: Yeah, it's not necessarily an easy read. I mean, it's also it was written originally in Mandarin, I believe, so it's translated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the translation is seems really smooth like every once in a while you kind of get a sense that it's a translation but mostly you don't yeah cool beans cool beans
1: checked in checked in let's do it all right what's going on at the farm What's going on at the farm? I mean, it's it's tough when we do this so rarely because I'm like, man, I don't want to repeat myself because I don't remember how much ground we covered in the last one. Um, uh-huh. But I looked back at what we talked about last time and that seems that seems eons ago that all that stuff happened to me um, and to the farm. But a lot of that. The last episode is when we like talked about your
0: wound and everything,
1: right? Yeah, my finger, yeah. my allergic yeah. reaction, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, there was a kid's camp we'll, on the farm. Maybe, maybe there'll like be that.
0: less body horror in this episode. I, yeah
1: I there should be a lot less I don't think anything uh, Unless I, <laughs> I, can, I bring some Yeah unless you Bring some to the table um, I think we'll be okay and then people can, can I don't know, continue eating their lunch while listening to this okay. um, but and that's that's a guarantee we <laughs> around here We uh, let's see what's going on at the farm honestly one of the top things I put down is that just August is a weird time uh, on a farm specifically down here I feel like in, in Tennessee you're farming in a southern climate you're just, uh, you're in a weird flux where like, there's plenty of summer crops coming in, you know, the tomatoes and all that stuff is, is moving along, but it's so hot and miserable and you need to be still somehow making the transition to thinking about fall and thinking about fall when it's 95 degrees outside is kind of tough to do. And um, you have to start all those plants, you know, in the greenhouse right now, all my kale and my cabbage and things like that are, are started. And, you know, those are cold weather crops. They thrive under uh, conditions that are not, let's say, 95 degrees. So um, you need to somehow thread the needle of, like, getting them in the ground and keeping them alive so that they will have um, the chance to, to be there when you need them in the fall um, and they have enough time to mature. But um, somehow in Michigan it feels a little bit more normal to be planting, you know, things for fall in early August um, because you can almost feel like you can at least tell that you're getting there. And down here, that doesn't seem like it's on the horizon. You know, it seems, it seems a long way off. And so, you know, there's a lot to do to prepare things for that, whether that's just taking beds on the farm that have been dormant for a while. I pulled a crop out of them a while ago, or let's say, which is kind of true this year, weeds took over a bed and I lost it to whatever was going on. And so, um, you know, some beds are tarped, some are just out of control and had to be mowed. And, I'm um, basically trying to like, you're, you're trying to do like rehab essentially on the farm of of getting things back into a shape where you feel like, you know, you can plant them and, and not uh, have to worry about them, you know, either shriveling up or being eaten by a pest or just being conquered by weeds. So um, this week is kind of the start of all of that for me. You know, it's we're, we're pulling tarps off, we're adding compost, we're preparing things while at the same time trying to. Uh, maintain the the crops that are enjoying this weather and it's just a little bit of a a dance where you kind of figure out it feels almost like the crops are kind of sparse right now and it seems odd to me when I'm used to uh, up north that you know July and August Um, more July but you are you are in your thick of it you are the most um, stuff you'll be bringing in from the field it feels like and down here that's a little less true so I'm just trying to to continue to get used to that considering this is only my second season um in a situation like this. So um all in all things are things are good. I think you know there's uh, plenty of things that when I look out the window that I'm a little like I oh, got to get to that, got to get to that, but you know I know you were feeling kind of long.
0: overwhelmed overwhelmed
1: before is that still the case or are you feeling more um, overwhelmed? I'm I'm more overwhelmed. It's definitely um I've there's a couple of things that were hanging over my head in terms of big casts. I feel like I've kind of wrangled in and, and part of that was, you know, I think I may have talked about this, but part of that was just putting the, the flail mower on the tractor and going out and mowing all these beds that, um, I knew were kind of done and toast and, and, you know, with the crop either didn't last very long or, um, it just wasn't going to do well anymore. You know, I went out there and mowed them down and that felt great. You know, that f- <laughs> it felt good to just, visually look out at the farm and not see these like eyesores that are, Oh, that's a, a four foot tall weed. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to settle for a crude tool, like mowing it down versus going out and hand weeding or doing something that would have, you know, potentially, um, not been as catastrophic, but, um, the farm is definitely in, in better shape. And that's to say that there's still plenty of things that, you know, I would do better or I would change, uh, if I could go back in time or, you know, a lot of it's out of, out of control too. You know, it's been a really dry summer for the most part. We actually got a lot of good rain last week, but you know, we've been pushing a drought and I think that's a sentence. I'll probably be saying every year we do this podcast (laughs) come July. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we continued to be amazed by it and then it happens every year. And at some point I'll realize that there's a reason for the pattern and other people realize it too. But, um, the drought is going to happen in July every year. But, uh, so there's just been some disease, some pest stuff, all the usual things. My my thing on there says that I caught a possum. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't that was because I'm trying to catch a woodchuck. Uh, don't you hate when that happens? Yeah, yeah. Catch Is a, a woodchuck possum. the
0: same thing as a groundhog?
1: Uh, yes, I think so. And maybe someone will will actually will actually us or something after the the podcast comes out. But I think of them as the same thing. They're chunky brown fuzzy boys with kind of a bushy tail. Um, they're not your, like your little, your little gopher or anything. They're, they're good size. They make a big burrow. Wait, groundhogs have tails? I think so. I think can we, can I you want, you want to check they that? do my man. The one am I What's working up? with here? Yeah, I googled no. groundhogs have tails. Uh,
0: I guess, I just googled groundhog. I guess they do have like a little squirrel tail, but not as big as, it's like almost like a beaver tail, but not. Yeah. I don't know. That's the, all right. That's you're right. Guy, they do. I was kind of picturing them like a guinea pig.
1: Oh, okay. A little, little nubbin, a little nothing there. Yeah. Um, so there's a sorry, there's a sorry big... to interrupt
0: you to ask you a, <laughs> a pointless question.
1: <laughs> so the uh, the the woodchuck has been uh, just really going to town on the farm this year. You know, I think last year there was hints of it when he was eating the cover crop in one of the fields, and I was kind of like, oh, it's fine, it's just cover crop. Little did I know, I was just building him up to become a monster that would then just move on, obviously, to other crops, and he has down the greens on them and i put up an electric fence electric fence wasn't doing nearly enough um and uh he just kept getting in there and kept he essentially rolled around uh in the dirt and like just played in the dirt but in that dirt were a bunch of baby carrot seeds that i was hoping would germinate (laughs) and uh and instead i don't think will now um so, you know, that's it's just a lot of little things that he's been doing. And so I thought, okay, I got to do something about this. I'm going to put out a live trap. Uh, and I did. And I was like, I don't really know how I'm going to, I don't know what a woodchuck likes that a possum doesn't, you know? Um, and, if you, and if you have any hints, let me know.
0: Wood. A woodchuck, could chuck wood. Oh, I if, mean, if
1: it's could chuck, you were never mine. Yeah, see? And, uh, and maybe sweet potato greens are what I should be putting in there because that seems to be what he's mostly into. Uh, maybe some Nutella on there or something. But anyways, I put it out there. You catch There's You p- catch a Sam with some Nutella on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, I was told from a, a, a reliable source that they love pizza crust. I thought, who doesn't? Yeah. That's, that makes sense. So I threw some pizza crust in the live trap and came out. And first night, nothing. Second night, um, possum. Got to caught myself a possum. <laughs> and so. Um, I mean, Which are, is not, not really helpful because the
0: possum's not gonna like eating your garden. In fact, aren't they gonna like eat ticks and stuff? Yeah, I don't think.
1: I think of the things I could have caught, the least uh, helpful in terms of like to get rid of it. And so I, I put the thing in the back of the cat. I drove drove to a corner of the farm and um, and let him go. And you know uh, maybe he'll make it back. So but as far um, as
0: you know, you just like drove him
1: home. Yeah, that's true, but we were trying to do this. Do you think they swim across the creek? I put them on the other side of the creek. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe not. Um, so maybe that's progress. Oh, no, the cat's in my lap. About to make a giant disaster. Oh, no, cat, you are all tangled up in here. Time out, time out, time out. The cat is wrapped six ways around this board. <laughs> okay, we're good. Uh, whew, sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, relocated the possum, reset the trap. I'll keep you. This is our new thing now. Is we're going to be tracking what? Um, what what am I catching? Yeah. yeah.
0: What is your if next? You to, if you had I think, to guess, what do you think the next thing will
1: be? I, I want to say the same possum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably.
1: I should have tagged it with something just to see if it's the same one. And uh, I'm hoping woodchuck. I could see armadillo. We have a lot of armadillos on the farm.
0: That's I don't cool. know.
1: It is cool, but I think uh, I've been told that they also dig in the soil quite a bit. And that maybe my the, the spot that I thought was a woodchuck playing in the soil could be an armadillo digging. Um, mm. So I guess that would be progress if I caught one of those as well. We'll see. I'm just looking for, I'm looking to catch something that I feel like you know by moving it, I'm I'm making some type of progress. Um, right. And who knows? You're right. They might all just be coming straight back. I'm not sure how far you have to move a woodchuck before he decides to make that his new home. Um, maybe it's 50 feet. Maybe it's like miles. Um, so we're, we'll see what happens. It's just been a lot of pest pressure, and I think someone's pointed out that I think that's probably partly drought-related because as food sources for them maybe got a little tougher to find or their normal go-to spots. They discovered a pretty lush bed of sweet potato greens and other things they could eat, and they bounced over it and and started eating that. So um, it's all it's all connected in a way, and you know I'm we're rolling with it. We're just planting more stuff, trying to cover things in unique ways to. Um, give it a chance to maybe get to a point where the woodchuck will move on to something else. Um, but let's see what else to do. <laughs> I have on here chickens were in pasture no longer, um, which is a weird way to put it that we, we were moving the chickens to a spot that was more shady and like giving them some primo, some primo grass bug situation. And they, they have an electric fence that I put up around them out in the field. Right. as we learn. And what does that do? What's electrics do? It's nothing. It's laughable to a chicken. Um, It doesn't seem to be shocking them really. And so this time I didn't even worry about putting the solar panel thing out there to try and keep it electrified. I was just hoping to loosely keep them in. Um, And they discovered that, you know, they can cram their, like a cat, they can cram their little bodies to the tiniest little hole. And so they were kind of like, it literally looked a little bit like Harry Potter and being at like nine and three quarters and just running through the brick wall. They would kind of (laughs) just run up to the, they just run up to the netting and just pushed themselves straight through it. It was incredible. And so at least eight to 10 a day, we're getting out and just going in the forest and having a great time going on by the pond that was over there, um, just eating everything they could out there. And I thought mostly that it was fine. Um, and then one day, Kira and I were like, we should count. We haven't counted the chickens in a while. I feel like something looks a little off. We counted the first day, we were down one, we were down at 25 hens. We're like, okay, maybe cheese out and about right now and not around. So next day, I go to count again. That's how I counted 23. And I was like, that's not great. It's uh-huh. been you know, less than 24 <laughs> hours, and I'm missing apparently now three chickens. And we go to count again, and we're missing, like, four now or five. And so we made the, the – and we started seeing some signs of, of distress. We saw some feathers uh, outside the run um, in a way that wasn't like this chicken just lost a couple of feathers, but more of like a this, this chicken was swooped by a hawk or something, like – a lot of yeah. feathers and um, no no bodies to, to account for, and so we made yes. the, the call to you know we gotta we gotta get these these chickens back home, we gotta bring our bring all our chickens and so we we loaded up the, well first way to catch them all is broad daylight it wasn't like the morning when they were just all cozied up inside um, which is the best right. time to move chickens if you're gonna move your chickens chickens don't generally like to be caught they don't and yeah it's um they're very elusive very quick um they are hard to grab the little feet anything you gotta get it's hard to get a hand on them (laughs) especially when they have a giant area that they can run around in you know we're not playing this in a fair like little eight foot by eight foot space we're out in the the pasture so kira and i got the catching and we caught of of the 21 that we would end up grabbing we grabbed 17 i think maybe 16 which is pretty good i mean like if i was gonna have who's who's better at catching chickens I think I think I was doing a better job snagging them, um, but it needs to be a two person operation because they're not going to get okay. near you unless you have someone else kind of forced them towards you. Um, right. But I've also had more experience catching chickens, um, and I would I would say sixteen out of twenty one. Like I'd be proud to have that on my chicken card, you know, my chicken baseball card that I have. Wait, so where it's are the free. other five? So the other five, we were, they were just being too hard to catch. We thought, you know what, they'll follow us as we kind of work our way back over across the street. So we started pulling – I pulled the rolling hutch back over to the farm, put them back in their little fenced-in pen right by the tiny house. Now we can watch chicken TV again out our living room window, So, which is good entertainment to have back. And as soon as we did that, the other ones kind of started working that way. Caught one just loose out there, which was pretty impressive. And we went back, and between the two of us, managed to catch the the, the last couple outdoor uh, loose chickens and brought them all back. Um, recounted to see kind of what we actually were at. And I think the final number was that we have lost seven chickens oh. in their time over there in like um, a couple of days. Yeah. So That's we're down great. to 20, we're down to 21 hens. And that was after we had brought two out from um, the owners. They had two at their house and they brought them off to the farm because they just wanted to bring them all together. So yeah, we were, we were really, we were really taking a hit. Um, and so we, we brought them out there and now they're back over safe over here. And I think there's a, there is a situation where we could probably get them back over in the pasture, but they need to be, uh, fenced in with an electric fence that's tighter. There's one piece of fence we have that has tighter holes that they cannot fit through. And, um, we need to either get more of that before we put them back out there because they're definitely happier, uh, in the pasture, but you know what? They also were getting swooped like crazy. Um, and they're not money makers to begin with. And now they're definitely, not, definitely not moneymakers at all. Um, so that was been that's been the chicken drama. I mean, Flossie again. You might be asking, what did Flossie do during all this? Isn't this his job? And yeah. you know, I think it was. I think it was too big of a task for one goose. Um, I just <laughs> think he couldn't keep them in the run. They were all too busy trying to get to the other side of the fence and out the pond. So I think this just solidifies why I don't like chickens. And um, I don't think uh, we might add some more to try and get our number back up to a reasonable amount um, to at least try and make a little bit of money back on them. But so the chickens, yeah, they got a vacation, but it was short lived. As soon as uh, they got a little too um, bold, I'm to say it sounds like they brought it on themselves. They did. I mean, they didn't. Ha- they had a giant area fenced in of shade and good grass. It didn't have a pond, but it had everything else they'd want. And uh, that wasn't it wasn't enough for them. So you know what? I think there's a life lesson in there for them uh, if they choose to see it. I don't think they will, (laughs) but if they choose to, they'll realize that it was you know, that was on them. A couple rapid fire things here. I think last time we talked, we were wrapping up this uh, spring CSA. We're in week three or week four of our summer CSA already. Um, Just chugging along. A little bit fewer shares than we did have in the spring. Um, People out of town and just I guess we, we didn't get everyone to re-up that we were hoping for but um it's it's still a, a pretty good number and honestly honestly compared to last year any number was going to be a, an improvement um
0: well that's been going do it last well.
1: year right exactly yeah. and so this is all just money that we didn't you know right last year we were just doing farmers markets for the most part. so um having 13 I think shares this summer and 15 in the spring or 16 um is is a pretty nice consistent payout versus what we were doing with the year before which is why we've already by I think it was by end of July we had surpassed all of last year's sales um, which Ooh. is a pretty big goal to have I think that was you know Ooh. going in we were hoping Yeah, you know, I don't know what we were hoping for specifically dollar amount wise just as soon as possible and thanks to basically Kira getting the CSA to actually be a reality and us pushing into some other markets and for a while we had that really consistent wholesaler in the spring uh, or a wholesale account. Um, we've already we've already hit the, I think it was like $23,000 of veggies last year, um, which, you know, was not impressive last year, but it was also a first year of like kind of a growing operation. So this feels a little bit every more... Every
0: garden, every every farm is a growing operation. <sighs> yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's inspirational and a dumb pun. <laughs> so anyways, we've, we were pretty happy with that, you know, and... and sure if we could double it this year, that'd be awesome, but we'll see what the fall holds. You know, um, we want to have the big money things like we did with the strawberries. Um, a lot of the stuff in the fall is not as, as valuable as the stuff in the spring. So, um, I would be nice to just see, you know, a pretty big improvement from here on out. As long as we beat every month's sales from the year before, I think we'll be pretty happy. So, um, and we're on pace for that right now. So we'll see how it goes. But that was, that was, uh, a motivating number to see Because you know Sometimes when you stand on the farm And you look around And you go Wow it looks like everything's dying The woodchuck is eating everything <laughs> Chickens are vanishing You know all, this, all these different things Are happening on the farm You think that uh, You're not making any money And it's nice to see that You know what After all of that We're still You know Doing way better than we were last year So Right uh, that's, that's a motivating thing to see So We'll see if we can keep that pace up uh, Or not Through the last couple months um uh, and the the last little thing i've got to mention on here is that we just this was a goal for last year that we never got around to but this year we've been pickling and preserving and using a lot of our seconds um we have a commercial kitchen finally up and running what seconds seconds are just like ugly unsellable for the the retail price at market kind of stuff so tomatoes that have you know nicks in them or parts that the worm or the worms ate and you know Um, if we can cut around it, if we can get stuff off of it still, we'll use it, you know, cucumbers that have some weird stuff can still be made into pickles. Um, so that's kind of what we've been trying to do. We took a lot of our extra garlic scapes or baby garlic and extra basil to make pesto. Um, and we've been doing stuff like that. We had a chef helping us for a while, but we've kind of also just started making some on our own and people seem really into it. And it's a nice way to kind of see, um, our waste go down, um, and half the time, the thing you end up selling, you know, the pesto, the tomato sauce, is probably worth more than what you were going to just sell the tomatoes themselves for. So um, we're hoping to push into that a little bit more going into the fall and have a lot of that stuff come winter that, you know, we could be selling to make money off of uh, in the slow months. So there'll be some updates about that. We've done, we've done some kimchi, sauerkraut, tomato sauce, pesto, pickled fennel, and dill pickles, I think, the current lineup. Um, so... We're going to keep going with that. I've got like a hundred pounds of cucumbers currently in the cooler. So I think it's going to be a dill pickle week. Nice. But, yeah. So that's pretty much, that's a lot of stuff, but that's pretty much everything on the farm currently. See
0: snakes recently.
1: You know, it's been a pretty snake free year. Um, hmm. compared to what I feel like I was running into last year, I think we've seen one live snake, one dead snake on the property. Um, None of the the usual spots on the farm this year compared to last year, but I have some tarps to move this week, and that's usually their their favorite spot. So we'll keep sure. an eye out under the tarps and, and let you know if I see any if I see any cool snakes. I'll take a picture if I do. We did All see right. we did see one of the cow killer ants, uh, nice. oh, two weeks ago, and that was startling. Don't love to see it. Um, the only nice thing about them is that they're so bright that your eye, they really catch your eye, So you kind of know to, to step yeah, away. Steer um, clear. I can't remember if we talked about them last year, but they're, they're fuzzy red and black uh, flightless wasps. They look like big ants and supposedly, you know, their, their sting could, could kill a cow, um, which is just to say it's an extremely painful. And I think it's in the top 10 of, of some of the most painful insect stings or bites that you can get. So um, when we see them and I'm out there farming in my chacos, it makes me think twice. About farming at Chaco's. Um they're also apparently called red velvet ants. Yeah, that makes sense. They're very fuzzy and very like they seem. They seem bad. Like you look at it and be like, yeah, that's gonna. If that did anything to me, it would hurt. Yeah, but hmm. so, but no snakes. Um, really, so we'll see. Just woodchucks.
0: <laughs> so woodchucks are the snakes of the mammals.
1: Mm-hmm. I've always
0: said that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah everyone <laughs> says that. Uh, what's this Michigan trip you went on? Oh, I think yeah, I think I ran into you there. We uh hmm. we got ourselves a very brief brief vacation uh to Michigan to I would say celebrate my birthday, but I guess some would say to celebrate Sam getting married uh, a second time, a second celebration. Same woman um, second second se- celebration. Same woman uh yeah, second second party. Um, this was <laughs> up in Michigan for all of our our family that did not come to Florida. But you're right, more um, importantly your birthday. More importantly my birthday. Uh, it was very nice. I mean, we drove up there, so it was a lot of driving. But um, we we had a, a really nice time to just get back into Michigan. And fear had never seen it, not covered in snow, so it was nice to be up there uh, in summer. And you know, hit our did some of our favorite things. We got to eat some ice cream mm-hmm. and pizza. We ate some pizza. Yep. Mm-hmm. Basically, those big two things. Those are the most important mm-hmm. part. Uh,
0: how um, how handsome did I look?
1: Oh wow. I mean, so, so handsome made the trip worth it. You yeah. know, I think you were the bell of the ball. I think everyone was very impressed with that. And your, and your dancing abilities. Your Thank salsa. you. That's
0: right. We did. We salsa it again. Mm-hmm.
1: And you could tell, you know, you guys are getting better every time you dance. So, so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice to, to have another short trip. Um, you know, it wasn't as uh, vacation feeling as the one in Florida. Um, but it was nice to see a lot of the family that I feel like since the COVID times, we've not seen a lot of those people. Yeah. And some I of those cousins like lot, I hadn't the, seen in co- years. I mean, Totally. Cousins and their kids. Yeah. I mean, those kids are growing like weeds. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, there were definitely a
0: few of them that I had never met before, I think.
1: Yeah. So it was it was nice to, to finally kind of see everyone again. And, you know, it was a ton of family for Kira to meet. But just to kind of see the, the actual size of, uh, of our extended family. We make flashcards um, for her. I, I didn't. I just kept we just kept checking. And honestly, she remembered a lot of names. I was very impressed at the end of the night of, yeah. of who all she had a name for. And you know, it's I forget sometimes. I don't know all everyone's <laughs> names. Not my, maybe my first cousins. I do, but you know, I'm sure when you meet all Spurlins too or Lenses as well. We uh, we all look a lot alike. So it's it's even tougher. Yeah. Um, what about you? You obviously were there for this Michigan celebration. I see you. the vacation
0: yeah after after that emily and i went to cape cod visited her parents stayed with them uh which is always a good time um i've started renting a road bike when i go there because there's a good rail trail that goes basically 25 miles from their house so i did two rides by myself on that on the trail and then emily came uh for one of them we ended up doing like I think together we did 38 miles on that ride, and then I did one shorter one by myself and one longer one by myself, and I forgot to bring my swim buoy, so I couldn't do any swim workouts uh, in the Cape or at the Cape in the water then. Hold up.
1: You forgot your what?
0: My swim buoy. What's that? It is a buoy that you basically attach to yourself with a long lanyard so that when you're nope. open water swimming and you... A you're more visible to boats. B if you're ha- if you if you catch yourself in a tight spot, you can just hold on to your buoy and float uh and start nice. drowning. So, I didn't bring mine and therefore I didn't want to go open water swimming without it.
1: Uh, always travel with your swim buoy.
0: I know, right? It's like uh, a <laughs> like towel and hitch and hitch <laughs> hitchhiker. Um, but yeah, I forgot my buoy, but I mean, we still swam just like, you know, I floated on some noodles at the beach in front of their house. I just didn't do an actual swim workout.
1: They don't let you bring your swim buoy out during the race, do they? They do not. It's a shame. It is a shame. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I ate some seafood as well. Went to the beach, went to our favorite restaurants. It was, uh, it was good. A week is, you know, not, it's, it's. On the one hand, it feels like a lot of time, but also on the other, larger hand, feels very short. And back, back to work as of yesterday. Um, my foot's all better for the most part. I think last time we talked, I was still recovering from my uh, tendonitis, which I was wearing. I think I may have even been wearing a boot for the recording. It's not gout as much as you all like to make fun of me for uh, when we were in Michigan. It's definitely not gout. But I had a, an owie foot for a while, and it feels mostly better, although there was a slight a slight twinge in the last couple of days. I'm hoping it's not really anything and I'll be fine. Um, Actually, I've started running again. I took a couple of weeks completely off from running. I, I took one, like a week and a half completely off from everything and then multiple weeks off from running but starting to cycle and swim. Oh, Now i run back to doing everything. You did run in Michigan.
1: We ran well, yeah,
0: that was after that was after <laughs> yeah. my several weeks of not running. Yeah, um, so I have one last race, basically a little over a month uh, from now, and then I'll figure out what I want to do next, what I want my training to look like over the fall and the winter. Probably very similar to what it is right now. <laughs> um, what else is going on? I think last time we mentioned that the DAO stuff was transitioning from our initiative construct. To a circle, which is a more permanent structure within the Readys structure, that is officially gone through. Sure. The, sort of now we have, yeah.
1: What are some other circles or examples inside? Sure. Here? So if there's this now, so this we DAO have. Circle, what else is there?
0: We have a training circle. We have a hiring circle. We have a growth circle. We have a transformation circle, and now the Dao circle actually lives inside of transformation circle.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Those are kind of just overarching like projects or just, you know.
0: Basically, they're ongoing um, processes that are as permanent as something can really be in an organization where we're always going to have work to be done in those spaces. And um, as circles, they are able to essentially do their own governance or make their own rules over their Um, what we would call an area of concentrated authority. So our hiring circle has been given the authority, all things hiring. They can make decisions about hiring within that circle without Mm -hmm. having to have everybody in the ready, weigh in on those things. The people in the hiring circle weigh in on hiring, on hiring stuff. Um, and then, you know, that's true for growth, which is all of our, um, efforts for selling projects, kind of like a sales circle. And then yeah. same thing with training and, and so on. So DAO has its own now. We're still just um, my partner, Tanisi and I working in that one, but there will be um, opportunities for more of our colleagues to get involved very soon. Is there is
1: there much interest from other people? People seem yeah.
0: There's a handful of people who have definitely been engaging and finding ways to do stuff with us, and I think there will be a few more people who will opt in when it becomes more obvious how to do so. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it it definitely won't be everybody. No, nor do we really have the capacity to like metabolize everybody's interest at the same time. But we'll be. um, We want part of the reason of becoming a circle is so that it's not just Tanisi and I doing this work and that we can create roles and opportunities for other people to do this work and also get paid because part of the um, part of our charter as a circle is to get funding uh, from kind of the center of the ready uh, for the next few months to pay people to do the work of Dao circle while eventually, hopefully soon, uh, the DAO circle will be able to sustain itself with its own revenue that it's bringing in through projects, but not quite at that level yet. Uh, so we're being subsidized by the rest of the
1: ready still. Gotcha. Did that? We talked about this very briefly. Was there much of a setback within the world of DAO when the the crypto kind of fell out? Yeah. For a little bit there. Or is yeah. Still I mean, there's definitely. Sure it stands currently.
0: No, it's still pretty, pretty, uh, pretty bare market right now. And it has affected the willingness or the interest of many DAOs to spend money on things like workshops or consulting. Um, Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, the crypto market is so volatile, it could turn around really at any point. Uh, So we don't want to completely disappear. And there's still plenty of things that we can do. While we're being subsidized, that um, we should do so that we continue to build our reputation in this space and just be in a good, a good spot when things turn around uh, a little bit in, in the future. Hopefully,
1: yeah. yeah. But so that sounds like that's not the only thing you're doing anymore, though, because yeah, Yo, yeah, and uh, then new project.
0: Yeah, so I've been doing an advisory project with an organization since January, which is a small thing, just uh, a couple hours a week generally. But as of yesterday, we're doing um, what we would call like a partial transformation. So kind of like a one, it's either one person full-time or two people kind of at half-time. Uh, so doing that through December now, and I've got actually my partner, Tanisi, who's working on the DAO stuff with me, they're joining me as my partner on this uh, client project. Uh, as well, so I'll be splitting my time between DAO stuff and this uh, larger project with a client that I've already been working with uh, for for a while now. And then there's does a handful.
1: This, yeah, okay. go ahead. I said, does this uh, does this come with any travel, or is it local enough to you, or not? Really it's low. It's
0: pretty much local. They're they're headquartered here in Virginia. Uh, okay. So. There might be some like light travel because they have a few other uh, locations, but I think it's even within driving distance for the most part that I would be having to go to. Uh, That is definitely not true though for the organization that we are pitching in two hours. No, in one hour, uh, hour and a half. (laughs) We are, me and like four other colleagues have been working on this proposal for uh, a very um, large fitness brand that is based not here in the US, um, actually in New Zealand, that we are going to pitch this project for. And if it happens, I don't know uh, exactly how we (laughs) will make time zones and whatnot uh, work, but we'll, we'll figure it out.
1: Does, does pitching it not necessarily mean that you would be on it if you guys landed it? It's just as you're part of the pitch team or it's, if you are part of the pitch team, are yeah. you kind of assumed to be someone who will be on it?
0: It's a, it's a mix of kind of both of those things. So initially when I started working on the, on the proposal, the thing that I had just talked about hadn't gone through yet. So hmm. if it hadn't gone through and then this did, I would be working on this. And, but since we started working on the proposal – that project went through. So kind of half of my time, at least through December is is relatively spoken for. Um, I think if this project were to go through, I would probably have kind of an advisory sort of role on it. So I wouldn't necessarily be kind of the face of the project to the client, but I could see myself potentially using a third, maybe even up to a half of my time um, supporting this project as well. And the DAO stuff would take a major uh, kind of step back, um, which is fine. Like I kind of want to figure out ways to Enable other people to step into DAO stuff, and if it if if the best use of my experience at the ready is probably um, to you know help sell some things like this and then service them uh, as well. Gotcha.
1: Do you do you have one thing that you enjoy doing more than than others? Do you have you come to really like the DAO work, or do you kind of uh, are you kind of excited to, to be getting more into projects, or, or do you even enjoy pitching projects more than actually <laughs> starting them? You know, I mean, no, like. Is I, it-
0: I like, whatever I haven't been doing for a while is what is most attractive to me. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've been doing this DAO stuff for a while, so there's an element, like, I really enjoy kind of the, um, what you call sort of the blue ocean sort of approach <laughs> to the DAO stuff. Like, there's not, we're, we're creating stuff from scratch over there for the most part and like figuring things out, which on some days is really fun and other days it's really frustrating. So... Part of yeah. me is actually kind of excited to be working at least on a halftime uh, transformation project right now. It's somehow, I don't know, it, it feels like I'm contributing more to the, the ready because I'm actually bringing money in as opposed yeah. to spending money uh, on, uh, from the ready. Um, I don't want to completely like lose the, the DAO stuff. I do think it's important. It's an important bet for our future. And there's interesting work to be done there. But there's also just not a lot of paid work in that right now. Um, so I'm looking yeah. forward to, to doing this kind of more clienty type stuff I like selling projects as well um, I'd, I I want to get better at selling projects and not having to necessarily work on them um, yeah. because obviously that doesn't scale super great so that's a kind of a growth edge for me to figure out um, but we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll see
1: you imagine that's a potential future role at the ready is to just be a, a, a person who does lock down his, his clients and then hands them off to people who, who maybe yeah. don't enjoy doing that nearly as much.
0: And I've definitely done that uh, a, dec- a couple of times at, at the ready and the folks who have been around the ready for a while now tend to take on kind of more of that because we're just we have more experience talking about what we do and how to tailor mm-hmm. that to the people who are buying what we do. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a thing that I'm decent at. At least that's what I say right now. We'll see in a couple of hours
1: how this pitch goes. Yeah, we, we need to hop off this thing so you can go get your game face on.
0: Totally, totally need to get my game face on. At least run through my, uh, the couple of slides that I'm going to be responsible for. Make sure I have something to say.
1: Yeah, you have them in, are they in rhyme? Are they, are they done in that song? Are they just, yeah, kind of I'm going to
0: do them. I'm going to do them, um, kind of as if they were the Iliad. Okay, that's smart. That's smart. Um, yeah, I'm going to Homerify my, uh, my slides. Yeah,
1: I think that – I mean that's going to make you stand out and isn't that well, what you Yeah, want? you know,
0: the, the 10 minutes of a 90-minute presentation that I am responsible for will be in yeah. rhyming verse. So that will be good.
1: They're going to be like, I don't really want to hire the whole company, but that guy right there, we like that guy. We want, we want yeah. him. It's as it'll much be a more personal like, audition.
0: It will be more like everything you all just said made a lot of sense except for that guy. He kind of <laughs> lost us for the 10 minutes where he was rhyming his uh, – his part and he wasn't rapping either he was apparently he was trying to like do a poem i don't know what it was
1: yeah oh, i'm just thinking it's it's an idea you know wouldn't i you know how it goes yeah please do uh, maybe we'll talk before uh, another whole month and we can get a more a more up-to-date. we say that we say that I literally know. at the end of every episode I know. and it it's, kind of it's kind of our sign off. it's kind of our little sign-off is, that we do kind of
0: is our sign-off we, we make each other feel
1: bad for how infrequently we do this and then we say <laughs> goodbye well, I just like the idea that one of these days we'll do an episode where we don't just have to cover updates on both of our work lives, and we can dive into a topic. I'm not
0: sure what that topic yeah. would even be.
1: What and how will, that yeah, would come
0: work. up with a topic right now. Tease a topic that we would do
1: next time. You know the, the intricacies of using a live trap to not catch woodchucks. That yeah, I think I can think do. A can do, a do a tight 30. 30. I feel like
0: I feel like <laughs> you've already given us that uh, today. Uh, well, do you have? Do you think you have 60 minutes of new material next week? we've never gone for 60 minutes don't make me do that
1: but uh 40 no but you know what i think there's some experimenting i can do to learn a little bit of what does a woodchuck like uh, um and maybe by the next time i can have uh, at least some hard data that i'll tell you what possums love pizza crust um and don't like when people pick up the crate that they're in to let them out and out into nature i had to straight up dump that guy out like he was garbage he would not let go um really he wanted to stay in the cage yeah, and you know what dumping them out does? Puts them right at your feet. Yeah. yeah. Are you excited so, about that? Were you excited um, about that? No. No, but I guess what I wasn't doing, wearing chacos when I did that. So you could say smart i man. quite a bit. I've <laughs> learned quite a bit. Exactly. Come a long way. All uh, right. All right. Well, you need, to go, you need to go do actual work and stuff. I do. All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. Good to talk to you. See you. Yep. Bye.